Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Veganism. Mm. <laughs> Awkward pause. Um, everybody has a different opinion of it. Um, I certainly did. One of my soul sisters is vegan. But before the universe put us in each other's paths, I had a very different view of vegans than I do today. For me, vegans were angry, full stop. They were activists, extremists, and gifted at writing abusive comments on social media whenever anyone semi-famous posted pictures of meat. They were also very vocal, and not in a Beyonce or Adele kind of way, but in a, did you know I'm vegan and you're not, and therefore I am superior. They were also, as far as I was concerned, lacking nutrients, undernourished, and in desperate need of protein. But I was wrong. Well, mostly wrong. What I discovered as my newfound vegan guru entered my life was that my generalized impression of veganism was a rather small percentage of the vegans who just weren't doing veganism right. And in fact, when you take a conscious and responsible approach to it, it's a very nourishing, sustainable and rewarding diet. Am I vegan? Oh no, most definitely not. But it does fascinate me. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know it forms a very large part of my diet. In fact, most of the food I cook for myself in my own kitchen is vegan. I'm actually living with a vegan at the moment. Hashtag vegans everywhere. So I was super excited when I was given the opportunity to chat to celebrity vegan chef Jason Robel. Jason is a world-renowned leader in organic raw vegan cuisine, culinary education, and epicurean entertainment. His celebrity clients include Woody Harrelson, Jeremy Piven, aka Ari from Entourage, Robin Wright, and Sigourney Weaver, just to name a few. He's been an ethical vegan for nearly two decades, and he is inspiring people worldwide to prepare deliciously easy and satisfying plant-based cuisine with no tofurkey in sight. If you've ever toyed with the idea of veganism or are just interested in improving your diet by including more plant-based foods, then this, my dear friend, is the episode for you. Enjoy. My 
story. Uh, I don't know how far back I should go, uh, but in terms of you know everything related to health and and what I'm doing with my life professionally, yeah, it it really started in my late teens and early twenties back in Detroit, Michigan, where I'm from. And growing up in a family that was not necessarily all that health-minded, you know, uh, around age 18, I was eating a full standard American diet with all of the fried food and processed ingredients you could imagine are, are still commonplace. And my grandfather was diagnosed at that time with his second bout with cancer. And I remember it had a, a very profound psychological effect on me in seeing you know, the patriarch of my family, the strongest man that I knew, uh, kind of wither away and, and get so weak and die as he did. Mm. And it really, it helped me turn the lens inward, you know, through that really painful, uh, sad experience of, of my grandfather passing. I remember thinking, why is everyone acting like this is so normal? Like cancer is normal and heart yeah. disease is normal, diabetes, yeah. oh, that's just what happens as you age. And something didn't sit right with that. So... I just began to voraciously research as much as I could. Uh, this was in the mid-1990s. And uh, three years later, I found myself standing in my mother's kitchen and saying to her, I think I'm a vegan now, which is weird. Mm. Uh, but through experimentation and trying out more fresh, organic, local plant-based foods, I just started to feel better and better. I lost weight. My skin cleared up. My digestion improved. And I couldn't deny how good I felt. So I'm going on nearly uh, two decades of eating plant-based foods um, and feeling amazing at almost 40 years old now. And how how did your family react to it at the time? Most of them reacted with not really so much shock as, I guess, curiosity and befuddlement. I guess that's the appropriate word. Just, yeah. That's an odd choice. Um, <laughs> how are you going to eat things? Like, what are you going to, you know, we're going to have salads all day long. I remember they, they were supportive, but also a bit confused. Uh, I was lucky though, that my mother, she had been very health minded actually when I was very, very young. And, uh, as I got older and, and got to be a toddler, you know, we went into the standard American diet, but she had touched upon vegetarianism and, and eating healthy in the seventies the at one point in her life. So when I told her, she thought, okay, I just want you to do it healthy and I want you to be nutritionally balanced and lo and behold about four or five months later she went into a vegan lifestyle herself and that made life a whole lot easier having a parent being vegan as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely, that support. So when when did you take you know, your own your own diet and turn it into pretty much what you do for a living now? That was about 11 years ago. I moved out to Los Angeles to pursue a career as an actor and musician and as the typical story kind of goes I, I found that a rough go financially <laughs> big shock um, for me though I had always loved making food I always found that for me learning to nourish myself was critical to have a balanced uh, diet as a vegetarian and then a vegan but I thought okay I love this as an art form I love making food but what if I went from just being good at making food to great so in 2005, I went to a culinary school up in Northern California, and I've been making food and teaching nutrition education ever since. I have so many things that I want to talk to you about today when it comes to the vegan diet, but I, I mean, I know, I know that it's so much more than just being labeled vegan to you. It's like a, it's, it's a lifestyle, right? It is, yeah. I mean, food is obviously a, a, a great foundational cornerstone of the lifestyle, but 
for me, um, other than overcoming the health challenges that I saw in my family and, and wanting to really carve out a different path for my life, um, as I started to research the environmental aspects of it and the overuse of water and crops and land resources mm. for animal agriculture, um, and a lot of the things in terms of the compassion toward animals, I looked at it as a lifestyle choice that was not only benefiting my health and made me feel good, but that was having a positive impact on other lives and just the ecosystems on the planet as well. So it really is multiple benefits. It's the health, uh, it's the animal ethics and compassion, and it's trying to you know, move the needle toward a little bit healthier state of our environment as well. Yeah. So do you think do you think being vegan today means something different to the nineties when you first when you first started? I think it does in several ways. I, I think uh, first and foremost, you know, now in two thousand and sixteen, when I travel anywhere, um, even in in parts of the country or even internationally, where say there's not a lot of vegans or people aren't familiar with that lifestyle. Um, people have at least heard of it. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what a vegan is. Mm. You know, 20-some 20, 20 years ago, I would talk to people, and they would look at me like I was from another planet. Like, we <laughs> what? Where, what do you, is that like a religion? Is that, where is that? Yeah. Uh, now there's more of a mainstream consciousness. And I also think, you know, um, having celebrities going vegan, having so many really profitable vegan food companies out there is certainly helping. Mm. But there's also um, there's also a challenge that that I face, and that's still this idea that being vegan means that uh, people assume I'm militant or I'm angry or I'm going to push my beliefs or my life choices on them. Yeah, extremist almost. Exactly, yeah. and, and you know certainly there's there's a lot of evidence of that, uh, especially on social media. I, I won't go into names, but a lot of YouTubers and social media advocates that are really spinning veganism in a very negative and angry and, and, and kind of forceful light. But for me, it's, you know, my philosophy is very, very simple. I just want people eating more fresh, healthy plant foods, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, because I do think those are, are, are a cornerstone of great health. And if we can extend more compassion, not only to our own bodies and, and our own lives, but other lives and the planet, I feel like it's a win-win all the way around. So my approach is very gentle and very inclusive. Yeah. I, you know, I was talking to a girlfriend about this the other day. Now, she's vegan, and she also studies nutrition, and she's very responsible, I guess is the word, when it comes to her diet. And, you know, like you said, on social media, you see a lot of people who are exploring veganism, and it may consist of a diet, um, you know, completely based on fruits, and that's it, or, you know... Um, salad bowls and no no fats and no proteins and no carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a bit of a miseducation when it comes to... I mean, maybe it's different in the States. This is definitely in Australia, though. There's this miseducation when it comes to how to be vegan successfully. Yeah, and, and I think that is a result of some of these more you know, extreme factions of veganism. I, uh, I love fruit as much as the next person, but I don't think eating exclusively is a mindful, nutritionally balanced approach. Uh, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you can find scientific evidence for pretty much any nutritional perspective you want, whether it's fruitarian, vegan, paleo, primal. You know, I, in doing my research, I've seen good beneficial studies and things that negate the benefits. So, mm. 
it, to me, it's not getting so obsessed mentally with the research. I feel like a lot of people are living in their heads when it comes to what they eat. I think at the end of the day, it's really about how we feel in our bodies. Are we feeling peaceful and balanced and joyful and full of energy? Or are we feeling frenetic and anxious and pushy and angry? And for me, that comes down to just getting a variety of different nutrients, eating a wide variety of foods, making sure we're eating you know, non-GMO and organic whenever possible, staying away from artificial and processed ingredients. And I, I think that that would create a palpable shift in most people. And of course, because we're all different with you know, our lineage and our ethnicities and where we grew up, of course we want to tweak those and, and fine-tune our diet and our lifestyle. But I think variety is the key. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, tapping into, like you said, into what's working for your body and being intuitive. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think there are some people that thrive better on a vegan diet than others? I was listening to um, a podcast the other day and they were talking about um, the different blood types. And, you know, of course, there's the blood type diet or whatever and saying that, um, people with type A, I think it was, actually thrived really well on the vegan diet while mm-hmm. people with, you know, certain other blood types sort of needed needed meat every now and then in order to function better. Yeah, here's the funny thing. Um, so type O, which is usually the blood type that um, Peter Adamo, the author of the blood type diet books, claims that it's it's necessary for type O blood types to consume animal protein on a semi-consistent basis. Okay, yes. But but oddly enough, some of the people that I know who have been vegan or even raw vegan the longest are type O, and they are some of the physically strongest, healthiest people I know. So again, we you know we run counterintuitive to theory sometimes when we meet people that are kind of flying in the face of that. And you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the blood type diet, um, the, the science behind that, in my opinion, is dubious at best. Um, if we look at any uh, peer-reviewed studies or any direct clinical research behind that diet, there really is none to be found. Okay. Um, I'm not really a fan of Peter Adamo's work uh, because over and over again, I find people that are counterintuitive to his theories. So, um, in terms of blood type, I don't, I don't subscribe to it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but do you, I mean, do you think that there are people that do thrive better on the vegan diet, or do you think maybe the people that feel like they aren't thriving? and maybe not taking a balanced approach to it? I think that there are people who definitely do better on a vegan diet, um, but I think overall people can eat a high, high concentration of plant foods and be completely fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are, um, in terms of nutrients, you know, you can find any nutrient in plant form. Um, a lot of people bring up, say, vitamin D or D3, vitamin K2, vitamin B12, and say, oh, you need animal protein or you need animal products to get those vitamins but it's simply not true. There are plant sources of every single vitamin, nutrient, and mineral that are a correlation to the animal, you know, the animal sources as well. So for me, you know, going on two decades now, I've made it my mission not only for me to be optimally healthy and get all of these full-spectrum nutrients, but let people know if they do want to be fully vegan, just from a scientific and nutritional perspective, they can find those nutrients in plant form. Now, however, how we assimilate those nutrients can vary from person to person, again, based on genetics and our lineage. So just because someone can get, say, uh, the DHA and EPA from an algae does not necessarily mean their body will assimilate and use it better than, say, a fish form of algae. But um, I always advocate going to the plant source first and seeing if that works and then making any necessary tweaks from there. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I guess I'm mean, look. I I guess at the end of the day, it's about it's about um, educating yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, you know, it's about how you feel at the end of uh, of the day. Um, I refer to uh, someone who's done a ton of clinical research, Dr. Gabriel Cousins. He runs a clinic called the uh, Tree of Life Rejuvenation Center in Arizona, and he's healed people from uh, diabetes, heart disease, cancer through you know nutritional protocols with mostly plant-based foods. But even he said over the course of his career, seeing tens of thousands of patients, that there were certain people that he needed to prescribe fish. I think he said maybe there was a handful of the 10,000 people. So his opinion is that genetically, the human body is designed for plant foods, but based on some variations, some people do need to dial in a little bit of animal protein. That's in his research. Yeah. Okay, so here's another question for you. I mm-hmm. have I have a few I have a few friends who are vegan and okay. some do it some do it really really well and some people do veganism where um you know cakes and flour like flour and sugar and you know there's all these products that don't have animal products in them but aren't necessarily healthy. Yes. Yeah. So um you know being vegan doesn't automatically make you a thriving healthy individual not at all no, no. These, these are two very very independent concepts yes. uh, vegan <laughs> abs- I, and I can name many many people here that I know in Los Angeles who um, let's just say they take pride in being unhealthy vegans there are a few that have you know in their social media handles like something about I'm the unhealthy vegan or the unhealthiest vegan and oh, they actually take pride in that um, it seems kind of crazy and counterintuitive to me, but it's a thing. Mm. So to answer your question, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, Oreo cookies are technically vegan. A lot of soda pops are technically vegan. So it's not a hand-in-hand thing where you say, oh, I'm vegan and that makes me healthy. You know, and I can use my life as an example. When I started and I was experimenting with vegan foods, uh, I definitely had a junk food vegan phase where I was eating a lot of the heavily processed soy meats and the mock meats and mm. things that were not really fresh. You know, they weren't fresh foods. They were heavily packaged. Um, so, yeah, you, you definitely want to make sure if you are vegan, you're eating a lot of fresh produce and staying away from the heavily processed foods. Yeah, and I, I guess that's a bit of a marketing ploy for certain products, right? You put vegan on it or you put gluten-free on it, you put natural on it, and it's assumed healthy. Absolutely, Not yeah. It, the case. It's funny you mention that because I, I just returned from the Natural Products Expo here in Southern California, which is the, the biggest food, natural food trade show in the world. There was almost 80,000 people there. Yeah. And you see, you see thousands and thousands of these companies now, but the term natural or gluten-free vegan, it, it's very dubious, as you mentioned, because you have to be an informed label reader. You know, just because it has that title on the front of the package does not preclude you from turning turning it around and reading the ingredient label. Yeah, I think it's more important now than ever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's a little bit different here. I don't know what the FDA is like there, but yeah, you can pretty much slap natural on anything here. Yeah, the FDA doesn't necessarily do the best job here uh, in the states. It's uh, you know, there, there's an ongoing war here of the consumers wanting. Uh, an increased level of transparency in our labeling of clearly labeling genetically modified ingredients, uh, being more transparent with the term natural or you know, even free range organic. Mm. And it seems that the government is very unwilling to budge. Yeah. 
um, just based on corporate interests and you know politicians taking corporate money and yeah. a lot of the, Mon- the Monsantos and the chemical companies really fighting these bills to be passed. So we still have a lot of work to be done in terms of you know having transparency in our labeling. Yeah, and that's I mean that's why it's important that you take the responsibility on yourself, right, and learn how to read those labels. One hundred percent. And there's so many great resources. You know, the the one that always comes up here is uh, is the Food Babe. She's probably the most popular person here promoting uh, label reading and, and becoming a conscious consumer. But any of those ingredients, you know, we spin around and look at on the labels, we can just hop right on the internet and find out exactly what those are. So it is taking that extra time to, to just inform ourselves and really understand what we're putting in our bodies on a day-to-day basis. Next question has also come from another friend of mine who wanted me to ask this, and I think it's quite important. And it's about masculinity and veganism. Now, Mm -hmm. she's vegan and her boyfriend is also very vegan. (laughs) Very vegan is if there's a scale of veganism. (laughs) Are you half pregnant? No. Um, (laughs) But she, you know, there's, there's there's these misconceptions, I think, that especially for men that, you know, to be vegan, you're not, you're sort of... I, well, I don't want to make generalizations, but like weak or you're not getting enough sort of iron and meat and all the rest of it that makes you a man, you know. Um, <laughs> I've heard this many times, yeah. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I would love you to sort of bust some of those myths for us. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a living experiment right now in terms of this. Uh, I've been weight training for the past year. Actually, today is my one-year anniversary, anniversary of my current weight training program, and it has been spectacularly successful. Um, I've gained f- almost 15 pounds of muscle in the last year. Mm. Uh, I couldn't even do <laughs> barely a single pull-up when I started, and now I'm knocking out dozens and dozens of sets because you know I made a decision based on some some people that have preceded me that are actually champion vegan bodybuilders and champion vegan athletes. There's men out there uh, by the name of Robert Cheek, Frank Madrano is very popular on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Tory Washington is a champion vegan natural bodybuilder. He's been vegetarian since birth. And these guys are massive. I mean, they're ripped beyond belief. Because on a, again, going back to a nutritional level, protein is protein. Mm. Amino acids are amino acids. If, if you can obtain all of your essential amino acids, and especially your branch chain amino acids, which are in, in particular very important for muscle building and muscle maintenance, you can get all those from plant sources now and very efficiently from plant sources because they don't take as much energy to digest and assimilate as say a steak would. So I'm really in my new work trying to throw this on its head. I have a whole chapter in my new book, Eternity, about eating for muscle building and eating for hormone optimization. Um, Because as men age in particular, it's very important for us to pay attention to our testosterone levels Mm. and especially in terms of staying fit and lean and healthy. Um, You know, after the age of of 2022, our mid-20s rather, our testosterone levels start to gradually go down as we age. So taking natural products like, uh, there's a product called pine pollen out there. Literally the pollen from pine trees is a massive testosterone booster. Maca powder, which is a Peruvian root that they grind up and you can put in your recipes, also awesome for testosterone. So I've got all kinds of strategies in particular for men to stay healthy and lean and muscular as they age and proving to the world you can do it on a vegan diet. Again, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm doing it all on a plant-based diet. So it absolutely can be done. 
Yeah, I think it's great. And I think, you know, the more the more men that are talking about it, the better. I always find, you know, um, with, with vegan athletes especially, you know, some of those um, incredible vegan marathon runners, it's always, it's always, oh, they won in spite of the fact that they're vegan, <laughs> you know, instead yeah. of, well, maybe it was because they were. <laughs> Yeah, most recently, um, you know, here here in the U.S., the uh, mixed martial arts, the MMA, the United, uh, I'm sorry, the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship is is huge. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars in this business, and uh, one of their most popular fighters um, actually just lost a couple weeks ago to a vegan, and oh, wow. it was all over the internet about um, this vegan fighter who uh, Nate Diaz. He beat Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, one of the most popular fighters in the whole UFC. Um, was basically talking smack about this other guy, the vegan guy, Nate Diaz. He only had 11 days. He was actually not supposed to be the original fighter going up against McGregor. They tapped him because the previous competitor bowed out. He had 11 days to prepare this for this fight, and he beat him. The vegan beat the carnivore, and it was all over the place. <laughs> so, um, so even if it's not just cardio or running, you know, if we're talking about things that require muscular strength, yeah, we're seeing a lot of champion vegan athletes now, and it's it's just interesting to see people, you know, pushing the envelope with that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. I love. I love. Well, I love anyone that can, you know, perform any kind of feat like that. But when they overcome everybody else's odds, it's not their odds. They know they're good. I love yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You do have this new book coming out, Eternity. Do you want to tell mm-hmm. us a little bit, a little bit more about that? I've had the privilege of reading, and it's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's my very first uh, printed book ever, and and I'm I'm so proud. It's been two and a half years of research and recipes, and and a lot of hard work and love put into this. And it's uh, 154 plant based recipes, uh, 14 chapters, and almost 400 pages, and it's really a, a hybrid book. Certainly the recipes are what a lot of people gravitate toward because they're, they're beautiful and, of course, delicious. But I've broken it down into um, benefit chapters. So we have chapters like eat for better sex, eat for better sleep, weight loss, happiness and good moods, detoxification, brain power, eating for more muscle, as I mentioned, immunity, strong bones, great skin, eyesight, healthy heart, and eating for less stress. So what people will find when they turn to each chapter is a breakdown of the specific nutrients that they can consume to achieve these physical and mental and spiritual goals and then what foods contain those nutrients and then what recipes contain those foods. So it's very logically broken down, very easy to follow guide that for whatever someone wants to improve in their life, hopefully there's a chapter in them uh, to guide them toward that goal. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, the, the, the food is beautiful in the book and the recipes are amazing, but I think it's the, I think it's the content that really makes it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I wanted to do something different, you know, than, than a typical cookbook, which is just, oh, here are the recipes. I wanted to give people the why behind the food and the mm. why behind why people are selecting certain foods and certain nutrients and, you know, just supplying people with that basic nutrition education that most of us didn't get growing up. Yeah, and that's what's important, especially, you know, when people are looking to not just not just try a new diet, but to take on a new lifestyle. You you need you need the education. I mean, it's it's already come up so many times since we've been talking just now. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Jason, I know that for you, you know, a big part of your life as well. I've heard in different interviews are your, um, you know, spiritual and mindfulness practices. 
Yeah, this goes hand in hand with with just you know making sustainable lifestyle choices. Um, food and nutrition, obviously, is such a tremendous cornerstone of living a vibrant and thriving and energized life. And I think hand in hand with that is you know looking at nourishment uh, in a different way. You know, my my belief is when we talk about nourishment, it's not just about the physical thing on the end of our forks but it's about the impressions and the belief systems and the ideas in our minds that we carry from day to day. That's also nourishment. That feeds us on a different level, on a spiritual and mental level. Mm. And I'm a big fan of uh, meditation practice. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of interesting research coming out now about how daily meditation can regulate our hormones, reduce stress, uh, reduce cortisol in our bodies, and have a tremendous lasting impact on our heart health as well. So whether someone has never done meditation before or maybe only experimented with it, I think it's something that everyone can benefit from, just going inward, closing our eyes, taking a quiet moment to shut out the world and just be with ourselves. I think it's vital to our long-term health. And uh, you know, daily exercise, I think, I think pushing our bodies, challenging our bodies to grow, whether that's cardio or I'm a big fan, as I mentioned, of weight training or muscle building, um, that's also so important for our mental and spiritual health as well. I think going through those challenges and growing and, and, and trying to accomplish something new we've never done before is tremendously beneficial. Jason, I'm going to make this a little bit personal for a minute and personal for me, not, for, not so much for you, but I, I struggle with veganism because for, for myself personally because it appeals to me so much. Like whenever I'm eating, I, I eat a predominantly plant-based diet and whenever I stick to it, I feel incredible. I feel amazing. And then every now and then I get this craving for meat and I have to eat it and I feel great when I do and it's great. And I maybe only eat it a, you know, a couple of times a month, but I really feel like it's something that I'm happy to keep in my diet. But the problem that I have is what I call this like carnivore's conscious conundrum where, you know, I care about animals and I care about the environment and, you know, I'm a conscious eater most definitely, but I'm not quite ready to let let go of the meat basically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what ad- what advice do you have for people who because I'm sure there's many of many people out there like me. What what kind of advice do you have for people when they're trying to sort of maintain that balance? I think it's important to get really clear about the difference between need and want. Mm. And what I mean by that is uh, I've heard a version of this before where people uh, eat primarily plant-based or they, they try veganism for a while and then they go back to eating, say, a piece of fish or a, a piece of meat and they instantly feel better. They see it. They feel like they have more energy or their brains are turned on. I've heard a variety of different things. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a big line between perhaps doing veganism and being nutritionally deficient in veganism, which I think might explain when people go back to say a fish or a piece of meat, they feel better mm. because perhaps they weren't getting enough protein yeah. or they weren't getting enough EPA and DHA and omega fatty acids which are critical for brain health there could be a variety of nutritional factors that they're not properly addressing on a vegan diet but you know you can be nutritionally deficient on any form of diet if you're not eating a balanced variety of foods the other part of it though is I feel like you know 
uh, desire and having sort of this emotional relationship with food is the other side of that coin. Mm-hmm. Aside from the nutritional balance or maybe being deficient in certain things, I feel like people have uh, an emotional relationship. Like they, they crave things and they want things because food often gives us a level of emotional comfort. Yeah. You know, what we're used to growing up with or things that we associate with feelings of love or good feelings in our life. And I think it's important to make the distinction, again, between what we may need nutritionally and what's providing us with emotional comfort. And that's not to say that emotional comfort isn't important, but I think if we address our nutritional needs, those cravings become less and less. And I I can only use myself and my clients as an example. You know, the longer you do things and the more mindful you are with having balanced nutrition, I feel like I I don't really crave things as much as I used to. It's interesting. but one thing I really recommend, whether people are vegan or, or not, is really getting their blood panels tested. Um, it's really important to get a very clear look at our nutrient profile in our body and get a good look at our blood levels from our proteins, our minerals, our vitamins, our omega fatty acids, our lipoproteins, everything. And the only way that I've seen to effectively do that is actually go to a doctor and get our blood drawn and our urine tested and see what our nutrient values are. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good baseline marker to see how we need to increase or perhaps decrease certain nutrients in our regimen. Yeah, I think that's a re- I think that's a really good idea. I mean, otherwise you you're right. You sort of you sort of doing it blindly and you don't really know what you need nutritionally or what you just kind of yeah, want. Yeah, cuz there's yeah. a lot of guesswork, you know, there, yeah. there's a lot of people thinking like <laughs> Oh, I'm low in energy. I should have a piece of meat. Or, oh, I'm low in energy. I should take B12 supplements. Or, oh, but we don't really know until we have a very clear picture of what's going on internally in our bodies. And I think it's so critical for people to do that because then we're just spinning our wheels otherwise. You know, we're kind of um, wasting money on supplements we don't need. We're throwing darts at a dartboard with a blindfold on is the analogy I use. Mm. Uh, So it's important to have a good, good picture of what's actually happening. Yeah. I think another thing that comes into it and I've I've had some of my clients say this to me is it's the it's sort of like this pressure that falls upon people making diet choices whether it be veganism or paleo or you know whatever you're doing mm-hmm. where you have this kind of fear of disappointing other people in your life. You know, like family dinners or going out with friends and, you know, being an inconvenience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, I, I know that that's definitely played on my mind when it comes to foregoing meat, say. Oh, you know, I wouldn't want to make it inconvenient for my parents when I went over there for dinner or, you know, when I go over to my friend's house, I wouldn't want them to have to cook me a special meal or... I mean, do you think that factors in for, for a lot of people when it comes to veganism? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the social aspects absolutely do. Mm. And for me, I've always framed it in a way that if I, if I got really good at preparing food, which I obviously chose to do, that if I was going to a dinner party or I was going to a family dinner and I prepared a dish and brought it and I knew it was something that everybody would love, you know, um, I don't know what's popular in your family, but... I, I knew specific dishes that my, my family was going to really enjoy. And that way, if I brought a dish, I could have it be an inclusive experience where they could enjoy what I brought, I could enjoy what I brought. And if, if there was any you know, resistance or questions early on, which you know, sometimes we get from, from friends and family, if we're changing to a, a lifestyle or diet, whatever it may be, 
is any resistance can, I, I feel, be pretty easily diffused with this. Um, responding with some version of, um, I, I know that you love me. Oh, of course I love you. Well, you know, I'm really, I'm really trying my best to feel better in my life. And I'm experimenting right now with some new ways of eating, some new ways of living. And I don't know if I'm going to stick with this forever. I may. I may end up being a vegan or paleo or whatever. But if you really care about me, you know, I would, I would really appreciate your support and understanding. And it may be foreign. It may be scary or weird to you. But I feel really good doing this right now. So as long as you understand I'm doing this so I feel better and I know you want me to feel good, that's all I ask. And when you frame it like that, I find it diffuses a lot of people's anxiety or, or anger or strangeness they feel around it. Yeah. Uh, but again, making sure they feel included, um, making sure that, you know, as a vegan or however you're going to eat, you're always taken care of. Um, and that it's not a it's... reflection on them, I guess, as well. I think that a lot of people start to feel defensive and, and, and guilty because they think that your choice is a reflection on their choice. Yeah, that comes up a lot, you know, and, and, and it's funny because, you know, we're making these decisions for us, you know, we're, yeah. it's our bodies, we're eating how we want to eat, but I feel like, you know, that, that guilt that comes up or that reaction comes from a psychological aspect in people that perhaps they're not living exactly how they want to live, or mm -hmm. perhaps there's a part of them that doesn't feel like maybe they're making the best choices in their life. That's my experience psychologically. Um, and the best thing we can do is have compassion if they react in a negative way. The best thing we can do is just try and stay in a place of, of love and acceptance um, and let them know it's not about them. They're not doing anything wrong. This is just our choice. Yeah. And, um, and again, being inclusive and accepting. Um, I find that that's the best approach with my family and friends. And it's always been pretty easy going for me in that regard. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's beautiful. So, Jason... If you had to take a dish over to somebody's house to win them over with vegan fare, what would be your choice of dish? I think it would probably be one of a few things. It would either be my cauliflower lentil tacos, yeah. which are, are frighteningly similar to ground beef. I, I've actually <laughs> fooled people. I have fooled many people. I've just served it to them and said, eat it. And oh my God, what is this? So the tacos for sure are number one. I would also say probably my um, cauliflower buffalo bites, which are nice and breaded and meaty and tender, just like regular buffalo cauliflower. And then third, <laughs> as far as a dessert, I actually made this, um, I made this yesterday for a, a, a shoot I did with uh, BuzzFeed. And uh, these were people that had really never tried vegan food before, and I made a chocolate avocado pudding Yum. that tastes like boxed sweet chocolate pudding that we had as kids yeah so probably i'd bring an array of those things those comfort foods those healthy comfort foods yeah i look i think vegan desserts are always a great place to start personally absolutely yeah they've come so far haven't they you must they have yeah you might i mean you, you are you in la you you live in la I am in Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys must just be spoiled for choice when it comes to eating out now. Oh, every. I mean, it's if you want gluten-free, if you want vegan, if you want raw, if you want sugar-free, if you want paleo, it's, it's, yes, we are spoiled. And it's interesting to be in a place that is kind of like, I would say, the hub of all healthy things. I kind of feel like this is health food mecca in yeah. Los Angeles. yeah. 
and a lot of trends start here and kind of filter out to the rest of the world. So um, for me as a professional doing this, it's, it's very exciting to be here to see what new trends and products and ways of living pop up because there's always something new every year. Always something new. I, um, I'm in Bondi in Sydney and it's like mini LA here. And we've had oh. in the last in the last twelve months, we went from no vegan vegetarian restaurants to we're up to four, and I just heard rumor of two more opening in the next few months, which wow. is yeah, which is I mean I think it's huge for a, a small a small beachside suburb. I mean it, it's a great amount, and and it's interesting you mention that because I in my travels will go to you know small towns, small much smaller cities than Los Angeles. Um, and I'll use my hometown, Detroit, again as an example. You know, growing up, it was it was very difficult to find healthy food there when I started out on my health journey. But now, every time I go back, which is usually twice a year, maybe every six months, mm. same thing. There's new vegan restaurants. There's new juice bars and cafes. New health food stores. So we're seeing this this increase in consciousness. I feel across the entire planet of people really wanting to take a greater responsibility for their own health, really um, being ferociously independent and saying, you know, the way that I ate growing up doesn't work for me anymore. Mm. Or the prescription drugs and pharmaceuticals that I've been taking for years don't make me feel good. I don't, I don't feel like I'm healing. And it's just a tremendously exciting time of change on the planet where people are experimenting and trying new ways of eating and trying new products. And um, it's just an awesome time to be in this industry and educating people. Yeah, definitely. So, look, if people are if people are interested in, I was going to say making the switch. That's probably not the right way to put it. But if people are interested in exploring the vegan diet, mm-hmm. when do you think is a a good healthy place for them to start so that they don't feel like they're depriving themselves? I think starting gradually is an absolutely crucial part of this equation because. Uh, I have had people that I've known that have gone, uh, pun intended, cold turkey from a standard <laughs> diet right cold into veganism. Cold tofu, thank yeah. you. Cold soy turkey, yes. <laughs> Which doesn't sound that tasty. Um, but they jump into it so quickly that, you know, for some people, they can have a negative detox reaction in the body because there's so much toxic buildup over years mm. of eating way too much animal protein and processed foods and artificial ingredients that their body is trying to eliminate these stores in their body. Yeah. And if we detox too quickly, people feel absolutely miserable and they don't stick with it. So I am a fan of gradual experimentation and substitution. So I actually have a substitution chart in the book where I talk about, you know, not so healthy versions of certain foods that people can start substituting and see how they feel. So as an example, if people are moving away from say something like uh, a heavy cream, which a lot of people, you know, cream is very fatty or they're lactose intolerant, they can move toward like a coconut or almond based product. Or if people are sweetening their foods with like corn syrup or something very, very hybridized and high in sugar, they can move toward a yacon syrup or a coconut nectar or even a zero glycemic sweetener like a stevia. Uh, a lot of people are moving away from dairy products now like cheese and butter. And there's all, all kinds of amazing cultured probiotic rich cheeses out there and things that you can make very easily in your own kitchen. So yeah. I find rather than people trying to change their entire diet and having that feeling of deprivation as you mentioned, 
if we just try experimenting with substituting one thing at a time and seeing how we feel and keeping a food journal, I think that's the most efficient way of doing it and being the most gentle with our bodies along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I I recommend a similar thing with all of my clients when they're changing whether, well, when they're changing their diet or they're trying to make improvements in their health is to be really conscious of not removing anything until you have something else to replace it with. Because yes. when you have those gaps, that's when you start to feel deprived and you start to feel like you're missing out and that, you know, you just can't maintain this long term. And at the end of the day, that's what a healthy lifestyle is about, right? It's not, it's not a week or two or a month. That's for the rest of your life. Yeah, and, and it's important that you make you you make that distinction that it's not um, it's not a fad diet. It's not something that I think is good for people just to you know throw up for a month because a celebrity did it. Um, mm. I think having a lifestyle transition is what people really need to focus on because if we look at constantly evolving and growing and and transitioning our lifestyle into whatever serves us best in the moment that's going to give us a lifetime of health rather than following trends or whatever, you know, the current fad diet is. I, I don't think that's a sustainable or wise approach. No. So, Jason, if people want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they, where can they go? I'm all over social media. So uh, people can find uh, me on my, my website, which is jasonrobel.com. It's W-R-O-B as in boy, E-L. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at jasonrobel. Facebook is Jason Robel Official. YouTube is Jason Robel TV. And uh, I'm also on Snapchat. So if people are doing the Snapchat, I'm there too. And the new book, Eternity, will be coming out in the US, Canada, and UK April 5th. And then at the end of the month or early May in Australia and India. <gasps> How exciting! Yes, worldwide. So little by little. exciting, yeah. And that's a, that's a Hay House published book, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They've been so fantastic. So so good to work with. Oh, that's so that's so great. Um, I will put all of the links to that in the show notes for this show. But just while I've still got you on the line, um, what what are you doing on YouTube? What's what's Jason Robel TV? That's my channel that I've been doing for uh, about six years now. There's um, hundreds and hundreds of plant based recipes, comfort foods, shakes, smoothies, soups. Desserts. There, there's so many recipes up there. I also have uh, vibrant living vlogs where I talk about nutrition, consciousness, meditation, uh, all sorts of non-food related topics, and infuse them all with a healthy dose of comedy and making it easy and light for people. Yeah, beautiful. And I think that's so important, right? And when you're trying to absorb new information, to see the the lightness in it and the and the fun. Yeah, because you know, healing and, and wellness can be such a serious topic a lot of people make it very serious yeah. but i think if we have more fun with it and laugh more and realize that we're all just experimenting and rolling the dice and figuring it out here in life and to be just i don't know a little more relaxed around that is important yeah and when yeah you're right and when you're relaxed and you're open that's when you kind of really absorb it all absolutely yeah yeah cool well thank you so much for joining us today it's been my pleasure. Thank yeah, you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for letting me pick your brain. Of course, anytime. If you liked this week's episode, head on over to the blog for all the show notes, theinspiredtable.com.au. And if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration before next week's episode, come and find me on Instagram at 
The Inspired Table or over on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Inspired Table. Until next week's episode, I'm Jordana Levine wishing you an inspirational week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.